Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Well, amen and amen again as best as we can from our homes, wherever we might be. Uh, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise just because He's good. He's worthy of all of our affection, uh, all the worship that we give to Him. He is always so worthy. Uh, thank you again so much for being with us today. It's not too, light, too late to, to like, to share this link with some folks and to send out the opportunity for people to worship and to gather with us today. So glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, well, today we are going to actually transition. Uh, we're transitioning out of one message series, and we are starting a new one today. Uh, actually, we began that transition last week. Last week was actually what I, what I call a morph message. It was a message where we were wrapping up our Everyday Hope message series. And in that message, we were transitioning into a brand new series that we're calling The Sign. Very simple title, very simple message, a very simple question that comes to all of us. Have you seen the sign? Well, this sign that we're talking about and we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks is actually what Jesus called the sign of Jonah. And he sets this up in what is considered to be the last sign he would give that would show that he is truly the Messiah, the Son of God, who died for the sins of the world. In this message series that we're going to be covering over the next several weeks, we gave you a preview of that last week. And it was actually what I call like a fast-forward preview. Uh, there's sometimes when I'm preaching, I feel like I'm, I'm going 90 to nothing. I'm out flying at 100 miles an hour. And then after it's over, I go, wow, Lord, what just happened? And what did we cover? And where did we go? Now we're going to slow down. And we're going to kind of come back to three main texts and three main stories that kind of come together in what Jesus calls the, the sign. The sign of Jonah. We're really excited about being able to slow this thing down, break these three texts and these three stories down so that you can better see how they truly come together to, to give to us the sign. It's a transition. And we're in a transition time. People are still looking for a sign, a sign that things are changing, a sign that we can get back to normal, a sign that, hey, uh, when it comes to social distancing, what are the new boundaries? Can you give me a sign? A little girl yesterday, I hadn't seen her in a long time. I saw her and she said, and she ran to me and said, Brother Allen, I'm so glad to see you. And then she threw her hands up and said, can I give you a hug? And, 
asking permission, but she was asking for a sign. Wow, I can't think of a of a of a better of a better thing than having a sign that leads you to decide to place your faith and trust in Christ. Or if you've known Christ for many years, I can't think of a better reason for you to believe Him all the more and to trust Him more deeply with your life. As, as you begin to transition in the weeks to come, oh my goodness, I, I hope and I pray that you in this time that you've come to know Him and you will come to know Him even more as the days ahead begin to unfold. So would you please look, look with me today in Matthew's Gospel where we, where we begin this message series, The Sign, a conversation that Jesus has. It's in Matthew chapter 12. We're going to start around verse 38. And I want you to look at this with me this morning. And we're going to see where Jesus, for the first time, gives to the, the scribes, to the Pharisees, even to us, what is considered the last sign that he would give. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 38, And some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, or the, the great fish your translation might read, so will the Son of Man be. Three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something, or we would insert, someone greater than Jonah is here. Uh, Father, we commit this time uh, to you, Lord. To praise you, to thank you through the avenue of studying your word, God. And Father, we always pray that, Lord, we would study your written word to come to know the living word, Jesus. And we pray that Jesus would make himself very real to us during this time. And Father, we pray that Jesus would make himself very real to us. And we would acknowledge the reality of him. As we move forward, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Again, guys, thank you so much for leading us in worship today. Well, it's been said that the sign of Jonah, in a nutshell, is basically that the Messiah, the chosen one of God, he would have resurrection power. And so all of these signs were kind of set up. And, and they would be like a litmus test of 
Who, who could do these? And, and only someone empowered by God can do all of these signs. And then you come to this, this last one that Jesus says is the last one. The, the sign of Jonah. And it's been said in a nutshell that the sign of Jonah is basically resurrection power. And what I want to submit to you and want to encourage you in today is that just as Christ had resurrection power then, and it wasn't just so much in his resurrection, but when we saw him raise Lazarus from the dead, that was the sign. That was the sign. And, and then his sign was the sign on top of that. It was the sign of Jonah, the ability to bring that which is dead or dormant or even hopeless back to life. Well, over the last several months, we have been in this very unusual situation, this COVID-19 situation. And I want you to think with me for just a minute. And for us, this is 10 weeks in, that we've been doing uh, worship like this. I want you to think back with me on, on your life before all of this happened 10 weeks ago. What were you doing? Where were you going? What were your priorities? And then now, as you've been in this situation, some in quarantine, social distancing, whatever you want to call it, what has changed about your life? It's, to me, it's almost like now that this social distancing is starting to go away, it's almost like groundhogs emerging from their dens. You know, you got like you go to Walmart and you're seeing everybody and and even there you're kind of looking for a sign about social distancing, who's wearing a mask, who's not wearing a mask, who's getting close, who's not getting close. It, it's really kind of strange. It's like we're a bunch of groundhogs that have come out of a den and we're trying to figure out which groundhog can I hug, which groundhog can I shake hands with, and will we see our shadow and and become fearful and will this thing flare back up and will we run back into the, the den of COVID-19, quarantine, isolation, separation, whatever you want to call it. But during this period of time, it, it's almost been like this to me. It's almost been like, some would describe it as a, a tomb, if you will. I know this kind of sounds strange, but some will describe it like, you know, we went into this shell. Or we went into this tomb. And now, with all these restrictions being lifted, it's like new life is coming out of it. It's like it was a place of death. Now, some people will say this. Some people will say about this situation, and it still is a, a grave situation that we need to take very seriously. Some will say it was the worst of times. There was so much uncertainty and so much fear. Some will say, I lost my job. I lost my business. I lost a loved one. And don't feel like we could truly honor their life. Some will say, I struggled. It was hard. It was like death. It was the worst of times. But then other people will say, but you know, on the other side of this, it's been like the best of times. Some things in my life changed that really needed to change. 
I was living with a group of people I didn't really spend a lot of time with. And, and we were so busy and, and we were so stretched and we were stretched so thin. We never spent any time together. And, and I've learned to appreciate the people around me. I've learned to love family time. Now, granted, sometimes family can get on your nerves and it can be very stressful with too much family time. I, we all get that. But we've learned to appreciate one another. To be thankful for the things that we've had that will really make a difference in our lives. But what I ask you, the question I want to ask you today is, is that as we emerge out of this in the weeks to come, what are the things of your life that you want to leave in the COVID-19 tomb? Things that you don't want back in your life what are the things that changed that you do not want to change back to the way it was before what are the new realities the the new the new beginnings and the new life that began to emerge in this you saw the resurrection power of jesus taking place maybe in some relationships with your kids your time, your priorities. What are the things that you don't want to go away, but you want to continue to see to grow and to transform? Some will say, yeah, it might have been the worst of times, but in other ways, it was the best of times. Well, here's something I know for sure. If you do not personally decide for yourself how your life is going to be out of this tomb, someone will decide for you. Someone is already planning what they want to do and their agenda and their plans and they want it to involve you. If you don't decide for yourself and for your family what your life is going to be like, somebody else will decide for you. There's nothing more empowering than to feel like under the power and control of God that we're actually making decisions for ourselves and that we actually have control of our own lives under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So this is a tremendous time, a tremendous time to say, let's slow down for just a second and let's make certain that as we emerge out of this, we're trusting Jesus to resurrect, to give new life, to give invigorated life to that which is good. And joyous and peaceful and blessed. But of those things that we do not need life spoken into. The things that need to go away and the things that never need to come back. Let us have peace about making decisions about what we will not do as individuals. And his families. Let's make sure this season is not 
in vain. Now, there's some people who will say, as we move along, I need a sign. I need somebody to help me out. I need somebody to tell me. I, I need to hear maybe from a governor or another leader or someone else. And even during this season of tremendous distrust and anxiety and apprehension, what signs do I trust? People still need a sign. Now, in planning this message series, I could not help. And I don't know if it's just my, my, my twisted sense of humor, but I could not help but to think about Bill, Bill Engvall. You know, the guy with the blue-collar comedy tour, you know, and he came up with the, uh, the comedy act that he called, Here's Your Sign. Here's Your Sign is basically a common-sense reply to someone who asks a stupid question. For example, somebody might walk up and you're, you're washing your truck and somebody might say, hey, are you washing your truck? And you reply, no, I'm just watering it to see if it'll grow. Here's your sign. Or how about this one? You come to the customer service desk and the person there behind the desk looks at you and they say, hey, can I help you? And you say, uh, no, I've been waiting in line for 30 minutes just to say hi. Here's your sign. I also couldn't help but to think about, you know, the song. 1993, they saw the sign. Ace of Bass, 1993, they saw the sign, the, the, the song. I, I kept hearing this song in my head over and over again. I saw the sign. What a great, great line. A great line in that song, basically... Uh, goes something like this. Uh, life without understanding. Uh, here, I'm going to pull it up for you. This, this is grace. This is great. I saw the sign and it opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Life is demanding without understanding. Uh, you probably have to twist it a little bit. But to really appreciate some of the lyrics in that song you'd have to come to understand that the song was about a girl who was with the wrong guy. And, and this guy was never going to bring her joy. And then all of a sudden, she saw the sign. And apparently, she let the dude go. But there's so many great lyrics in this particular song about seeking the right one. She said in the song, I, I, under the pale moon for so many years, I wondered who you are. And I couldn't help but to think about people who are searching and looking for answers for life. And when it comes to Jesus, how many people have wondered who you are? And then to see the sign, to twist the song, and to realize He is the one who can bring you joy, who, who can bring you fulfillment and meaning in your life. Oh my goodness, when I was nine years old, I saw the sign. It opened up my eyes. It, it, sorry, I don't want to break out a song here, but I saw the sign. Have you?
Well, in this story about Jesus and the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12, it says that the scribes and Pharisees, they came to Jesus and it seems like they might be honest seekers who themselves are looking for a sign. But my goodness, when you follow this story of Jesus and where he is at in his life and ministry and all the other signs that he's given to them that show that he is the Messiah, when you come to this point in this place, you cannot help but to hear and to read a sense of sarcasm in their tone. First of all, they called him teacher. I want you to see this here in the text in Matthew chapter 12. They, they call him teacher. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. If you follow the story, you know at this point, they really don't see him as a legit rabbi. No, they are painting him out to be a blasphemer. Someone who, who makes false claims. They're basically saying he's a liar. He's a lunatic. I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, when it comes down to, to what we say about Christ, he's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord of your life. You can't really fudge with him. You can't. Have your cake and eat it too. He is either who he said he is or he's not. Some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we, we want to see a sign from you. But understand the motive behind this. The motive was not we want to see a sign so we can accept. We want to see a sign so we can accuse. And further paint Christ out to be this blasphemer who the crowds would reject at our word. And then they, as religious leaders, religious leaders, then they would maintain the control and the power that they had over people. This is almost like what I see in political press conferences today. That there is an agenda many times behind the questioning. And that for some people it doesn't matter how they answer or what they say. Good, bad or indifferent. Somebody is going to take another position. And take those words and make them out to be what they want it to be. Teacher, back to the text. We want to see a sign. So here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, basically, an evil and adulterous generation. He answered to them and said, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign, yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. It's really interesting that he called them an evil and an adulterous generation. What's the words of Christ here? He says they're evil. Now, if you saw these folks from a distance, you would say they were very religious. Some would say they were even God-fearing. Some would even say that they were devout and they were faithful to what they believed. And that was true. But yet, Jesus 
doesn't just call them evil. He calls them adulterous. He, and the word evil here is the idea that this is, this is like the epitome of sinfulness. And many people would not think of religious people in that vein. But Jesus did because they wore their religion on, on their sleeve. And the key is this. It was their religion, their history, and their tradition away from what was originally given to them in the Mosaic Law. They had gotten so far away in their own traditions and their own writings and their own history that they had taken the God of the universe and they had made Him what they wanted Him to be for their purposes. And Jesus called them evil and how they would control people. And they were power hungry. If they had really followed God through all of this, then when Jesus showed up on the scene and he gave them the sign, they wouldn't just see the signs, they would see the sun. And they would bow and worship him and acknowledge him for who he is. He said they were an adulterous generation. Spiritual adultery is, is to be truly unfaithful to the one you've claimed to be faithful to. An adulterous generation. The history of the Jewish people whom God loved dearly. So many times they forsake or they forsook God. And they walked after their own passions and their own lusts and Made gods for themselves and didn't follow him truly at heart. Jesus caused them evil and adulterous generation. At other times he would call them whitewashed tombs. And religion is a whitewashed tomb. There is no life there. There's only death there. But a relationship with Christ. The son. That's where a relationship is. And that's what God calls us to. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called them a brood of vipers. They demanded a sign, but it wasn't to accept. It was to accuse and to further their own personal agenda. Oh my goodness, a tremendous question. I think all of us, we have to ask ourselves is this. Am I really following and loving Jesus for who he is? Or am I trying to make him out to be the Savior I want him to be? With impure motives and impure desires. Is Jesus really free to be who he truly is in my life. You see, one of the reasons that we know the true nature of what was behind the questioning of those who demanded a sign is that when Jesus shows up, their true colors come out. My goodness, when Jesus shows up, the true colors come out. 
what do you say about Jesus? And so Jesus says, evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. He'd already given them signs. They, they couldn't accept him for who he is based on the evidence that had already been given. And listen to this. Even Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, he knew what he was dealing with. He said this in verse 31, Luke 16, 31. If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, They will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So the sign that Jesus would give would be for his followers who loved him to be strengthened and emboldened in their lives to continue to follow him. But for those who had already condemned him, the sign that would be given would be a sign that would bring upon them a judgment and a further condemnation it would show them their true colors and they wouldn't stand back and go oh yeah he's the one they would have to stand back and go oh my we were so wrong and then see how they would deal with that and continue down the road. Even if someone was raised from the dead. They still would not believe. Because they carried. Their own agenda. When it comes to Jesus. You know one of the most liberating. One of the greatest things. In, about relationships in life. And it's something that we deal with. Something we've, we've learned in this COVID-19 situation. Is. You know, maybe we hadn't spent some time with some of our, our family members and, and there's things about them that, you know, we've come to, to learn and to appreciate and, and, and to, to, to see even more clearly. And, and one of the greatest things that we can ever do for people is just let them be who they are. To love and to accept them for who they are. Now we understand that, that Jesus loves us way too much to leave us as we are, but he accepts us as we are and it's his work and his plan that changes any of us. For his glory. But to give people the freedom to be who they are. And yes, also to allow God to use you and, and to help them by your life. To help them be what he's making them to be. A beautiful thing in all relationships is, is to give people a simple freedom to be who they are. Have you given Jesus? Not that he has to have permission from you or me. But have you given him permission, at least cognitively? Have you said, Lord, just be who you are in my life. And then what I will do is I will follow you for who you are. So my faith. My faith will reflect the reality of who Jesus is. And I'm not going to ask Jesus to reflect the faith that I want it to be. He said to them, no sign but the sign of Jonah will be given to you. And he speaks in a generalization. As Jonah was three days and three nights or 
your mind and your heart goes back to the story of Jonah. We'll explore further next week. As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is speaking in our generalization based on great history books of the Jews like the Talmud. If an event happened on any particular day, then it counted as a day, not necessarily as a literal 24-hour period of day. Because some people have really struggled with what Jesus said when he said the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. If he's crucified on Friday, that's only two nights and three days. But it seems that the Jews understood phrases like this and expressions like this were generalizations. Jesus is speaking of his resurrection in comparison to the resurrection of Jonah. And that's the point of the analogy. Not the specifics, but the generalizations of it. The other thing is that Jesus, when he would raise Lazarus from the dead, he would raise him from the dead on the fourth day. There is something very special, magical, about the three days. We'll explore that when we get to the story of Jonah. We'll explore it in depth. Three days. Why was three days so significant? And then Jesus says this. The men of, the men of Nineveh. And that was who Jonah was called to preach to. He said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go there. God was leading him this way in his life. He went the other way. Came to his senses after the great fish, after his own resurrection. God brings him back after he'd already said, I pray to you. You heard me. You answered me in the depths of Sheol. And Jonah said, I will offer the sacrifice that is worthy of your name. I will essentially go to the wicked Ninevites and preach repentance. And the scripture says that when they heard Jonah's preaching, that they repented. The men of Nineveh will stand. The text says the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment. But yet will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. What did this generation do? Sign after sign after the sign. They kept saying no. Blasphemer. Liar. Lunatic. Not Lord. And then Jesus says. And behold, something or someone greater than Jonah is here. And he's pointing to himself. The one who has resurrection power. And here's the deal. He didn't just raise Lazarus from the dead. And the power of God working upon him did not just raise him from the dead. But so many times Christ has raised people and their lives and their marriages and their families and their jobs and their, their, their time and their priorities and their hearts from that which seems hopeless, desperate, and dead. As we begin to close our time together this morning. I want to ask you again. As you think about 
where you've been over the last few months and several weeks as you think about your life, as you think about what it's been like, and you liken it to a tomb. And here's what you need to know about tombs. Tombs are places of death. Where there's no Jesus. But where you interject Jesus. And faith in Him. Tombs become places of life. And they become places of life. Before the tomb. Gives them up. Let me say that again. We think of tombs as places of death. And they are. And sometimes things need to die. And go away. And never come back. There's things about your life. Before COVID-19. Your life does not need to go back to the way it was. Your family's life does not need to go back to the way it was. And I'm telling you today, if you do not set the agenda for your days to come, somebody else will. Tombs need to be places of death. But in a tomb where you interject faith in Christ, a tomb where Jesus is, new life comes. And new life comes even before the tomb gives it up. The new life doesn't happen outside the tomb. The new life happens inside the tomb. And when the new life is ready to emerge outside the tomb, the tomb gives it up. As we emerge out of this, What new life began in the tomb that needs to be continued to nurtured and ministered to uh, and loved? What seeds of life are planted in the tomb that on the other side in light of the sun of God and his sunshine in the body will give new life and new opportunity and new meaning. We God has given us so much opportunity as the body of Christ inside the tomb. Perhaps more so than before. And we're asking you, stay the course with us. As we begin to emerge and things begin to change here and you begin to see new people and the life of the church emerges and many have even gone back today together. But for us, it was about what is true worship and what is what is true fellowship and what is true celebration. And our heart has been when we come back, we want it to be truly like church, like God intends for it to be. And we're going to be very patient with that. But in your life, 
even right now. For some of you, you might need to just go ahead and have the have the burial. Throw some dirt on some things and let them go to never come back again. Other things you need to embrace and walk out better than you were before. We have prayer counselors who are ready to meet with you, to pray with you on the phone right now. If you need to say to somebody, I need help today. Burying some things, saying goodbye, to never come back again. I need strength. Would you pray for me? Others of you are saying, you know, it's going to look really different for me. Some things I didn't have control of happened in this tomb. And I need some help. I'm going to need some strength. Hey, I need a new family. Maybe you've realized and discovered this online family. We want to desperately continue to minister to you at a tremendous level even after this. I don't want Cody, Steve, Cheyenne, the guys in the booth, our social media people, our hospitality people. There's nothing in us that is saying today when we come back, we are going to neglect or we're going to forget our new friends and our new family that has met us and joined us online. Our commitment is to continue to be here faithfully, faithfully for you, week in and week out, worshiping, proclaiming the Lord's word till he comes or he takes us home. That's our commitment to you and to the best of our ability, by the grace of God, we will keep on keeping on. So we're excited about what is to come. If you need a prayer counselor, reach out to them today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Cody's going to close us out this morning. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family. Then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.